morning, everyone. If we've never met before, my name is Andrew Levy. I work here as the Director of Mission. It's so great to see our church full. Many people I know are uh, viewing our live stream, not just in uh, Gladesville and Putney, but also in other states around friends and family of those who are getting baptised as well. A particular welcome to you through the live stream. Very warm welcome to you if you're in the building as well. I guess I wanted to start just by acknowledging the fact that this Um, preaching spot here today was going to be done by our senior minister, David. Uh, And one of the brilliant things about working for David is that he doesn't have to be asked twice to uh, uh, take the the joyful opportunity uh, to praise God for new life, which is what we're doing here today as as baptism. It's only because he's had to uh, get rest this week by doctor's orders uh, that he can't be with us. So I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that I'm here Uh, speaking uh, because uh, we couldn't get Dave. That's basically what I'm saying. But I tell you what, you know, we wanted Dave. We couldn't have it. We wanted to have baptisms in a pool like we normally do, but we couldn't do that today. So I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like today's baptism service is the perfect service for 2020 uh, for baptism. So I think it's going to go really well. I think um, one of the things I'm particularly joyful about is that you saw that video before, right, with the uh, 14 different testimonies of, uh, of our friends, our family who are getting baptised and their testimonies uh, from their families as well. I mean, how good was that video? It's so filled with joy and so filled with thankfulness, isn't it? I mean, especially in that video, you can just see how grateful they were for new life that God gives. I think that's striking because we don't often see thankfulness and people being grateful in our world and our culture, do we? I'm not talking about people just saying the word a thank you, because you hear that a bit, but I'm talking about that really deep sense of gratitude, someone being deeply appreciative, deeply thankful. We don't see that very much, do we? I think one of the reasons uh, that um, is because being thankful means that we're dependent on someone else. I mean, it means we rely on someone else's help. It means there was a need that required someone else to come in and help us. And I think that really cuts against the grain of our culture. You see, we're far more comfortable uh, with a transactional view of relationship, aren't we? I mean, you give something to me and I give you something back. You help me out and I give you money. We see that especially in the case of a busy lifestyle like so many people have in Gladesville, Putney, and all the areas around here as well. It's a case of grab, thanks so much for that, and we move on our way. That's not real gratitude. I guess when we're hearing the 14 stories of people thanking God like we did in the video today, then we see how wonderful being thankful is, and particularly to be thankful to God. We come to one of these amazing passages, the story of Jesus' life, And the heartbeat of our passage today is thankfulness. The iconic images of the Samaritan man with his face planted at Jesus' feet, praising God. It's a passage in which Jesus has worked this incredible miracle for 10 people who are suffering from leprosy. Now the stories of Jesus' miracles are always popular and they're always well known. But I don't know if you know why Jesus does miracles in his ministry. There are three reasons why Jesus does miracles. First of all, compassion. Jesus just loves people and he wants to see people in need helped out. 
Second is that it's proof of who he says he is. He says he's come from God, he has the authority of God himself, and by his miracles, he's showing that who he is. And thirdly, miracles uh, point to the kingdom of God that Jesus is bringing in. They kind of show us a little taste of what heaven is going to be like. You see, in heaven, there'll be no blindness, and so Jesus heals the blind man. There'll be no deafness, and so he returns the hearing to the person who's deaf. There's no deficiencies or weaknesses, so the paralyzed man is healed. The miracles point forward to the kingdom of God. And that's certainly the case in the episode that we see here today. Now, the miracle of the ten lepers is, uh, comes in the context of Jesus making his way towards Jerusalem. We're told that in the very first verse. Jerusalem, of course, is the great city of God from the Old Testament. Jesus' ministry will finish when he gets to Jerusalem, with him being captured by the people he came to save, being sentenced to death and sent out of the city to die on a Roman crucifix. That's going to happen in just two chapters' time. It's close. But he's now, at the moment, just north of the city, heading down south towards it in a region of Galilee. And he comes to an unknown town, and outside this town, there are ten men who are suffering from leprosy. And as we look at this miracle, which points us forward to the kingdom of God, we get to see not only the salvation that Jesus gives, but also how we might respond to the salvation that Jesus gives too. And those are our two points for this morning. It'd be so great if you could have those passages open in front of you. They are printed in the booklets if you're here in the room. And if you're joining us on the live stream, uh, if you're watching the display window, just under the display window, there's a link to a Bible gateway passage, which will give you the Luke 17 uh, reference from today as well. Let me pray for us and we'll get into God's Word. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the joy it is, the immense joy it is, to have your word in front of us. Please guide our hearts and our minds that we may see Jesus clearly for who he is and to be thankful for him. We ask that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Our first point, we see the salvation that Jesus gives. If you'd like to look at verse 12 with me. As he, Jesus, was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now imagine you were entering our church building this morning. And as you were coming through the gates and uh, through the stairs, on the other side of Victoria Road behind us, there were some people who were shouting out. That's where the ten lepers are in this story. They're standing at a distance because they have to stand at a distance. For the uninitiated, leprosy is a disease which is in the central nervous system and it shows itself as a debilitating skin disease. It can cause discoloration, disfigurement of the body, but it can affect the nerves particularly at the extremities of our bodies which can lead to infection and other serious consequences. People have been known to die from it. It's contagious and it is spread by coughing sounds familiar in some way to us. If you didn't know this, leprosy is still around today, uh, particularly in tropical parts of Africa and in Asia as well, and particularly in regions of poverty. Well, the Jewish community regarded those with skin conditions like leprosy as being unclean. 
under the Old Testament law, the priests would examine a person and make a diagnosis of the condition. In fact, a whole chapter of the Old Testament, Leviticus uh, chapter 13, was devoted to explaining the symptoms and what the priest had to do. And that word unclean was supposed to have a double meaning. Unclean physically, because this was a very contagious disease. But unclean was also used in a spiritual sense for a deeper problem. Being unclean meant that you were defiled before God and you couldn't be part of the community of God's people. And so an unclean person like a leper would need to be placed outside of the city. They were unable to participate in the life of God's people. In a way, they needed to be quarantined, separated from family, cut off from the synagogues in the temple. If life was with the community of God's people, then leprosy meant that you were cut off from life. When I was eight or nine, my best friend was a boy called Mark McGoldrick. And we went to each other's places all the time. And we used to play down at Tambourine Bay Park, if you know Riverview, uh, just around the bay from us. Uh, That was right near Mark's house. And we were warned by Mark's mum, just play on the grassy area, do not go down to the mangroves and play with the mud. Well, you'll never believe this. But we went down to the mangroves and attempted to walk along the roots of the trees. Even now I'm seeing, what, this is a dumb plan, what were we thinking? We attempted to walk along the roots of the trees to avoid stepping in the mud. Now naturally enough I slipped and squelch fell and I was covered in this thick, disgusting mud. So when we were back uh, to Mark's house afterwards, Mrs. McGoldrick saw us coming and she stood at the front door and she said, you are not coming into this house. You're filthy. That's the way it was for a person who had leprosy when they were kicked out of the village. They couldn't come back in unless they were cured. Now imagine for a second being on the other side of the road and here comes the man who you know by reputation has healed villages of people. The one who is known for his compassion to those in need. Someone who claims to have all the authority of God and the power over illness himself. Imagine you saw that person coming down the road past you. How loud would you shout out to get their attention? What would you actually call out? Well, this is what the lepers did, verse 13. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They're crying out to be spared from the state that they're in. They're asking Jesus to have mercy on their condition, to be healed, to be clean again. They're asking to be saved. And Jesus is the right person to come to for salvation. In a couple of chapters' time, Jesus will summarize his ministry like this. He'll say, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That word son of man is Jesus' name for himself. He's saying, I've come to seek and save the lost. His mission is to find the needy and to give salvation to them. The ten lepers have called upon him as master, and rightly so. You see, everywhere he's gone, he's, he's given blessing and relief. He's healed poor people and he's healed rich people. He's healed Jew and Gentile, young and old. If the miracles point to the kingdom of God, we can see that heaven will be made up of all people from all walks of life. 
and Jesus will be the master at the center of it. Jesus' ministry, therefore, is a seeking and a saving ministry. And so we hear the voices from the hill. Here we are. Have mercy on us in our condition, they shout out. Well, Jesus' reply is simple. Verse 14, he says, Go and show yourself to the priests. Now, the lepers wouldn't have needed to to know what Jesus was talking about here. See, in the same way that a priest examined a person to declare them unclean, the priest would also examine a person to be able to declare them clean. If you were cured, the priest in the Old Testament would offer a sacrifice for you, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God, and you'd be invited back into the community. You could rejoin the life of God's people. So those on the hill actually have great faith in Jesus' words. They hear Jesus' words and they just leave. Now at that point, nothing has changed for them. They just have heard Jesus say, go to the priest. And they know that by the time they reach there, their leprosy will be gone. So verse 14, as they went, they were cleansed. On the way, their faith in Jesus has been proven right. Jesus has been shown to be the master. He doesn't even need to come near them. He doesn't need to touch them. He doesn't even need to say the words, you're healed. The disease just leaves them. Jesus' ministry and mission is to seek and save the lost. And that's what's happened here. These men were unclean. And they were expelled from the people of God out of the city. They're cut off. They're as good as dead out on the hills. Yet Jesus has found them and he has cleansed them, saved them and brought them back into the city. Jesus is performing this miracle to teach about the kingdom of God. And he's not just speaking to the physical uncleanness of the leprosy, but to the leper's spiritual state before God as well. That's why the leper would show themselves to the priest, not the doctor, when they got back in there. Because that's why a sacrifice was offered as well. Because unclean people needed God's approval to be back as part of the people of God. So when Jesus performed a miracle, he's talking about something much deeper than just a physical disease. The actual disease of leprosy helps as a useful illustration to understand this. You see, leprosy looks like a skin condition. But we know the actual disease is actually deeper in the nervous system of the body. In the same way, when Jesus, uh, for Jesus, the physical needs are on the surface but the real spiritual need for a person is much deeper inside. That problem is sin when you read the Bible. Sin is an attitude and an action against God. This is a problem that goes right to our hearts as well. You see, God is perfect and pure and spotless, and he's not going to be in a relationship with anyone who is anything less. So from the very depths of our heart which can't be seen, rising up to our words and our actions, which can be seen, there's even a skerrick of impurity. That is sin. It doesn't matter if it's this much or this much. It still counts as sin. It means we cannot be with God. When you read the Bible, you see that sin is the universal human condition. All of us are sinners before a holy God. Many people are so affected by this, and they can't even believe that their God exists. Many will believe that their lives might be better off than having God in their lives. 
Many believe they have a greater purpose without God in the picture. Many will even believe they're not really that bad. It's not that bad. In the end, it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves. It matters what God thinks of us. And if we've sinned, we are unclean. So if the kingdom of God is a city where God dwells with his people, then the unclean person, the sinner, is on the hill outside of the city. It's the reason Mrs. McGoldrick wouldn't let me into her house. I was filthy and she didn't want my filth to come into her clean house. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost. His ministry is a seeking and a saving ministry. Now, he could heal all the blindness, the deafness, the paralysis, all the leprosy in the world, but that would just be the surface that has been healed. To really make people clean, he needed to solve the problem of sin, which is why in the very first words of our passage today, we are reminded that right here, he is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the most incredible story. You see, Jesus didn't cleanse us by a miracle, but by an exchange. Jesus took the place of sinners and he gave to us his right standing before God. And you see the same pattern in our story today. Jesus was going to go into the city of Jerusalem where he will be declared by the chief priests to be a sinner against God. He'll be removed from Jerusalem to the hill outside the city to die the punishment of someone who was unclean cut off from God, cut off from God's people. That's what we deserved. Yet he was raised from the dead. Where there was death, God through Jesus brings life and on the third day, he walks back into the city again, victorious and approved by God. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Because of Jerusalem, the power to save a person is Jesus's forever. He came to seek and save the lost. And that is still true, even today. We might not have his healings in the flesh directly, but we all have access to the deeper spiritual salvation that Jesus offers, to be cleansed, to be saved, and to come into the kingdom of God. After Mrs. McGoldrick had stopped yelling at me, she came out of the house and let me go around to the outside bathroom And she helped wipe off some of the excess mud and helped me with my my shirt and pants. And she sent me into the shower to wash all the dirt off my body. She gave me a towel and some fresh clothes uh, to, to wear. And I remember that she made the comment that she's become so dirty in cleaning me up that she's now dirty uh, as well. And that's exactly the same way it is with Jesus. He washes our dirt and in doing so, he becomes dirty himself. And after I changed, Mrs. McGoldrick said I could go back into the house. And after we've been cleaned by Jesus, we can be welcomed into God's kingdom. And that's exactly what we've heard in the thankful words of those being baptized today, isn't it? Do you remember what Ben said in the video? He said, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all my sin. Nathan said the same thing. He said, Jesus has washed all my sin. Will Guthrie pointed to the fact that it was an inward work, not just on the surface, but right down inside that Jesus works. 
And Georgia said that it was because of Jesus' forgiveness that she has been brought into God's family. If you think about it, cleansed, washed, deep inside, and brought in. Those four things, that is the good news about Jesus. And that's an offer that's given to all, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, young or old. It's open to anyone who cries out like the lepers, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus will have mercy on whoever asks for his mercy. But it does mean that we need to realize that we are sinners ourselves in need of a cleansing. Oliver understood this when he said those words in the video. He said, Did, he said Jesus died and was raised to forgive his sins. How about Tim and Anna's testimony on behalf of their son? They said, God loved Jonathan enough to die for his sins and to give him new life. You see, you can't be a Christian unless you realize that you need help. And in some ways, that's the hardest part of believing, realizing that you have a spiritual need, and like the lepers, you cannot help yourself. William Chan made the same point when he said that he's right with God only because it is the work of Christ and none of myself. My experience as a pastor, but also my uh, personal experience, is that God uses moments in a sermon, just like this one, to help us to realize that maybe actually we're out on the hill and Jesus is inviting us to come into the city. Because Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. It's the work of Jesus' words, even today, to help us realize that we're the lost ones that he came to save. None of us deserve it. It's a free gift for all. That's what Kevin said, wasn't it? He pointed out his baptism was all about God's grace, the undeserved free gift of salvation that comes in Jesus. And that's the wonderful truth of the gospel. When you believe in Jesus, you are cleansed from your sin, washed clean, and brought, brought into God's kingdom. And when you know this, you can't help but be thankful. Brings us to our second point, because reactions are important. And I guess I wanted to finish by coming back to the two responses to Jesus uh, that, um, that the men gave to him in the story. You might remember that nine of them didn't bother to come back to Jesus. For them, the healing was a simple transaction. They asked for help. Jesus gave help. Transaction completed. It's almost like they were too busy now getting themselves verified by the priests to come back. It's like, I'm healed now. It's time to get on with my life and make up for all the stuff that I've missed. They've taken the blessings of Jesus, but they've refused to give him credit or to be thankful to Jesus for it. They've just moved on. We do that so often, don't we? I mean, God blesses our life and we move on so quickly from it. Whether it's the macro things, the big things in our life, or whether it's those specific little things at just the right time God seems to give us. We so often don't thank. We just take. We don't thank. But we cannot be like the nine. You see, the last line of the passage tells us that these men had indeed received a physical cleansing from leprosy, but not their spiritual one. They've failed to come and praise God. 
Let's just have a look at the Samaritan's reaction in verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. It's like this man has been running into town like the rest of them, and he's realized, I've been healed, and it's because of Jesus behind me. And so he's turned around and he's gone back to Jesus out of a deep gratitude for what he's done. He is deeply, deeply thankful to the core. That phrase in verse 16, it's literally that he threw his face at Jesus' feet when he was thanking him. This man realizes not just what Jesus has done, but who Jesus is. He's the one who has compassion. He's the one who's been sent by God. And ultimately, he's the one who's going to bring in God's kingdom. You see, in a loud voice at the beginning, he cried out for help. And in a loud voice at the end, he cries out, praising God for what he's done. Thank you, Lord, he says. That last line of the passage tells us that not only is his leprosy cured, but that his sin has been washed away by Jesus too. Jesus says to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well, literally, it saved you. You see, thankfulness is the mark of a Christian. Christians depend on Jesus and not ourselves. We owe our lives to Jesus. We had a need that required Jesus' help, and he's given us help. And so we can live our lives with a deep joy and a deep gratitude above all else. Just wait until you hear the next video that we'll play in a few minutes when our families will also talk about what difference Jesus makes in their lives. In that video, you'll hear Lynn speaking on behalf of her family about the joy of knowing Jesus as her family reads and prays and sings together about the hope that they have in Jesus. Hope would be a good name for a daughter, I would think. What a great reminder to the rest of us of what we have in Jesus too. Because of his death and resurrection, we have salvation. We've been given the best news in the world. Rise and go. The faith has saved us. We are welcomed into the kingdom of God forever, a standing that cannot be changed by anything. That's what Michael and Marie said in the video too. He reminded them that, God, uh, that their family have an assurance of God's love and God will always be there for them. Seb and Jess also echo that same thought. They love Jesus and their deepest desire is that their son Archie will know the same love, the same sense of security, hope and joy that they have in living for Jesus. That's thankfulness. That's the response that as a church of God's people, we're supposed to have. And even though she finished her HSC just four days ago, it's the same testimony that Lily has as well. She says that God will always love me, and one day I look forward to being in heaven. So what a great day it is today. A great opportunity for us to have the reminder that we can be thankful as a church because God has worked in us and through us by Jesus. Our 14 stories today remind us to be thankful in Jesus. God is growing our church, and the people being baptized today are an encouragement for us to keep going. God is the one who cleanses and saves us from our sins. 
So let our thankfulness overflow to him. How about I pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Son, our Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is the one who has cleansed our sins by his death and given us the hope of eternal life in his raising. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to trust him, to believe him at his word and to be thankful. We ask, Father, that you would help our hearts to be overjoyed as we see our brothers and our sisters and our friends and our family stand up today in baptism and declare those same truths. We pray that you might be honoured and that we would rejoice together. In Jesus' name, amen.